Welcome to the Cosmic Eye Show, where we explore spiritual ideas and books that help you live a better life. Hosted by spiritual teacher and author of If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate, Jason Napolitano. All right. Hello. Welcome to the Cosmic Eye Show. I'm your host, Jason Napolitano. And on the phone with me, it is my pleasure to welcome Chris Sheridan live from L.A. I'm here in Vegas. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing great, Jason. Great to be here again. I, uh, I love this show and I look forward to our talk today. Uh, thanks again for, for showing up. I uh, am the author of If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate. And you can find that on Amazon. Chris is the author of The Spirit in the Sky, also on Amazon. Or his website, chrissheridan.com, or you can check out my website, cosmiceye.org. All right, you got that out of the way. Today we are talking about the life and writings of Toth Hermes Trismegistus, Trismegistus, the thrice greatest Hermes. Uh, this is out of Mammy Hall's Secret Teachings, but we'll also be drawing from uh, some other stuff as well. It's going to be a neat show. Uh, so uh, let's just jump right into it. So the big question here uh, that a lot of people have uh, to begin with is who, who is Hermes? Who is Hermes Trismegistus? Who is, who is Toth? So let's talk a little bit about that, Chris. Um, okay. How do you just start? Actually, you start in and tell me tell me some of the ideas that that pop into your head. Uh, who this who this particular uh, person slash uh, mythological figure? Because uh, it does seem to be uh, there does seem to be some debate as to whether he was a, an actual person or if he's a conglomeration of different teachers or or some sort of a, a, you know a mythological or god type figure. Uh, so can you get into a little of that for us? Okay. Well, this. First of all, his moniker, this thrice greatest, this Trismegistus, um, is in, I guess, a trinitary uh, form of Hermes, um, Toth, or Thoth, uh, from the Egyptian, and then Mercury, the messenger of the gods. Uh, that is, you know, that thrice greatest does relate to those three, I guess, cultural origins. You know, Egyptians, you know, um, and the Greeks uh, with the different... Um, origins of that and whether or not Hermes was an actual person I would imagine there's like Lao Tzu there's even some debate whether Lao Tzu uh, the author of uh, the great Tao uh, the Tao Te Ching mm -hmm. uh, may or may not have been a person the same debate rages with Shakespeare whether it was Marlowe and Bacon and some other people and they all kind of got together as a writing group uh, but either way it's it, Hermes seems to be the the western version uh, that to this day, and, and we even say, you know, hermetically sealed, and that relates, sure. relates to Hermes. But in essence, it's uh, a, a bringer of knowledge, a mediator between universal mind, the God wisdom, and the earth plane with the human beings. Mm -hmm. That role is significant in so many cultures. Uh, this seems to be one of the archetypal ones, though, the one that really goes back um, and maybe is a connecting point with a lot of other traditions um, since. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's a great point. Another, uh, another understanding of that thrice greatest uh, is that he was considered the greatest of philosophers, the greatest of priests, and the greatest of kings. So in addition to his three main uh, images of uh, Toth, Hermes and, and Mercury, that's another, uh, another understanding as well, the symbolic understanding of that thrice greatest as well. Um, 
And another another uh, interesting thing, he is actually uh, considered to be uh, connected to the Greek messenger god Hermes, although it's kind of tangential. Uh, but he does uh, he does figure into that as well. Um, but he's definitely, as you said, a communicator between the the higher and and the lower, between man and between uh, the the divine mind or the or the gods. And I think that's an important an important attribution. They also say that he revealed to mankind medicine, chemistry, law, art, astrology, music, rhetoric, magic, philosophy, geography, mathematics, geometry, uh, anatomy, and oratory. So those are some uh, those are some pretty pretty uh, pretty heavy things that he brought to us. So. For 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 that reason, we can see why the ancients revered him so much. Uh, in that, uh, he was bringing them the wisdom that helped them to shape their worlds, essentially. So, I find that uh, I find that quite interesting. Most of what we know about uh, Hermes comes from um, some fragments. There is not a complete uh, set of of works because the the early Christians. Uh, burned the Library of Alexandria, uh, apparently. We don't really know that for a fact, but the Library of Alexandria was burned, and much of these, much, many of these writings were, were lost. And, you know, some, some, of the, some of the ancients believe that he wrote as many as, what was it, 20, 20 or 30,000 different things. So obviously this is a, a pseudonym then at that point for, for some type of a, a wise figure, 36,000. Uh, Manetho said, and uh, Iamblichus said that he wrote uh, almost twenty thousand books. So you know, if that was a single, a single person, that would be extremely you know difficult for them to to pull that off. Obviously, so it was probably a, a pseudonym that many people were using. Uh, most the, the most important uh, records or works that that, that we still have uh, is the Corpus Hermeticum which was originally translated by, by Marsilio Ficino into, into Latin um, in Italy during the Renaissance. And that was funded by the Medicis, actually. So much of what we have actually comes down to us through, through the Renaissance. And so these hermetic ideas were solidified, I mean, in their sort of more modern forms, uh, certainly during, during that time. So let's talk about a little bit of um, a few of the groups that that draw their wisdom from uh, from these original Hermetic teachings, this Corpus Hermeticum, of which mainly they're pulling from the Divine Piminder or Pwaminder, uh, depending on how you want to pronounce it, um, and the uh, the uh, Emerald. They use the Emerald Tablet a lot, which we're not going to talk about, and then a, and then a writing the more modern Hermeticists or Hermetists. I uh, used this uh, writing called the Kabbalion, which came out, I think, what was it, 1910 or something? Yeah, early um, 1900s. Yeah, and it was based on these Hermetic teachings. Um, the seven Hermetic principles. The seven Hermetic principles, exactly. So let's talk a little bit about some of these groups, though, that were influenced. I mean, there's such a wide range of, of different groups that draw from this. Let's say here, too, uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier, that this the idea of... Uh, one of the main ideas of the followers of this of Hermes Trismegistus or Toth, uh, because they became uh, linked together. Toth, of course, is the ibis-headed god 
of Egypt, who was the um, he was the uh, recorder of your deeds during your weighing of the soul in the underworld. Um, and so he's a messenger. He's a divine messenger. And so they became linked together in Egypt uh, under the Ptolemies when the Greeks controlled controlled Egypt. Uh, that's when a lot of these things became fused together. Uh, and the Egyptian and Greek uh, mythologies and worldviews are very, uh, they work together well. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a great stretch to mold those, those two things together. Um, so anyway, out of this, one of the main ideas of these early uh, Hermeticists was the idea that there was, a, there was an original religion that was given to man by God and that this sort of golden thread or golden chain or archetypal religious uh, base for all of these religions is contained in all of the religions of today in lesser and greater amounts. Um, so that's something that was picked up by the 19th and 20th century magicians and hermeticists, theosophists, and some of these different um, new Rosicrucian groups, certainly by the Freemasons. Uh, later by Thelema, uh, Crowley's, Crowley's work, uh, group that he, that he founded, his religion that he founded, um, and so on. The Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, Hermetic Brotherhood of Light. These are some of these, uh, some of these groups that came, came as, a, as a result of these Hermetic ideas. But going back, going back, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about, about alchemy. Uh, about some of these uh, some of these original ideas that 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 came that came through um, Gnosticism uh, came up at the same time as some of these hermetic ideas, so you see a lot of spillover that uh, um, being said, much of uh, what we what we read today and or what we read in uh, in the secret teachings deals with a lot of that. So I would highly recommend uh, reading this chapter in the, in the Secret Teachings, The Life and Writings of uh, Toth Hermes Trismegistus. So anyway, let's get back to that, uh, some of these groups. So how, uh, how did you understand that some of these different groups, these early groups, when I say like the, the, the alchemists, early astrology, some of the ideas of astrotheology and stuff, how, did those, uh, how do we see those filter down into some of those ideas, some of these hermetic ideas? Can you tell me a little bit about that, that, that you understood? Well, um, just going back to that, it, you know, there is, um, I guess, inroads that show this as being a source uh, or built on several sources uh, from which these others borrowed. Uh, there was so much borrowing, um, you know, in the Near East and, you know, certainly around that, that time, a couple thousand years ago, uh, through trade routes and just such a rich intermingling of cultures, it's mm -hmm. not surprising that, you know, some imagery, um, some uh, mythology, some spiritual principles um, would have, uh, would be shared by several cultures, uh, especially if, uh, and this is, you know, what we're getting at here, that, that they do relate to some underlying universal underlying, truth. Exactly. Yeah. Good and point. that being the case, then it almost doesn't matter uh, who or what, you know, comes out of that or emanates from that, uh, as long as it retains a little bit of that source, 
um, when we see this, the flowering of the different uh, traditions and cultural uh, practices, sure. uh, they, since they share a common ancestry, so to speak. Yeah, that's um, great. It's, you know, I think it's, it's because they share that common source, you know, that may be more of where the, the transference of this information instead of, you know, it's it, not quite as much from one to the other once they were fully formed. I think they were formed from, you know, they were maybe cut from the same cloth. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. And, and I think that's what's interesting, too, about how. You know, the early Gnostic Christians were in this in this school of thought, and that really is is one of the uh, later on one of the the issues that the more orthodox members of the church uh, began to attack them, destroy their materials, excommunicate them, kill them in many cases, uh, and so on, and drive those streams of early Christian thought that were kind of opposed to some of these more orthodox ideas of Christianity, the doctrines, the dogmas, and, and so on. They drove those, those ideas underground. And I think that's where you see later on that they pop their heads back up in the Rosicrucian movements and the, in the Renaissance and in humanism and the, the reflowering of the sort of pagan traditions and the interest in magic and astrology and so on. So these ideas, those those golden chain ideas, those universal religious ideas, really were kept were kept alive by these different groups in different ways. And I find ironically that fascinating. by keeping it secret. By keeping yeah. it secret, exactly. And speaking of that, this is one thing I found fascinating. We talked about this a little bit earlier. Manley Hall talks about it. And he says this on page ninety six of the Reader's Edition of Secret Teachings. The volumes which escaped the fire, which we talked about in the Alexandrian uh, library burned, the volumes which escaped the fire were buried in the desert and their location is now known uh, to only a few initiates of the secret schools. Now, he wrote this probably sometime in 1925, 26. This book wasn't published until 1928. And then in 1947, 48, uh, uh, the Nag Hammadi find in Egypt uh, was discovered and hermetic fragments of books were actually found among uh, among other among other writings biblical and gnostic uh and and that's an interesting interesting thing so almost uh what 20 something years later my math is horrible um here these fragments are actually found and manly hall is speaking of some some hidden some hidden buried uh volumes which escaped escaped the fire and essentially that that wisdom that was found at, at Nakamadi uh, is, you know, what became the, the Gnostic Gospels and so forth. And, um, and some of the these Gospel different, of uh, the Gospel of Thomas was found and some of these, uh, I think, Gospel of Philip and Mary and some of these important Gnostic Gospels were also found. But so were fra uh, fragments of uh, some of these Hermetic texts. And so it's interesting that he's almost pointing to maybe there's another cache of these somewhere in Egypt where all of the documents exist or where all 42 uh, Clement, one of the early church fathers talks about how there were 42 books that he knew of uh, that, that the, that the uh, hermeticists spoke of. So it's interesting. Maybe they'll, they'll find another cache of these books at some point, And that would be an amazing find. But the, you know, the, the point is, is that this wisdom tradition is still alive today. Uh, it's still, you know, it's more alive than ever in some ways in the new, in the new age world. Um, many people are interested in alchemy. 
uh, in astrology and different forms of magic and theurgy, uh, the, the pagan traditions and mythology and so on that have been popularized again. So these things actually are, are flowering like they, they haven't in, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years because the, you know, the church, the church was so dominant with its single point of view for so long. So it's interesting. Uh, anyway, I, that's a, that's a bit of a tangent, but I, I wanted to bring that up. I found that really, uh, really, really cool. So maybe yeah, there is it out remains there to some, be discovered. It does remain to be discovered. And, then, and there's another thing too, that I, I found really interesting. He goes on after that and then talks about a more, this is more symbolic, I think, and more sort of mythological, but he talks about the book of Toth and its possible connection to the tarot. So this is a secret book. Essentially, this is, and there's nothing's ever been found in this book, but people have hinted at it and spoke about it, that this secret book uh, was, was the way to really um, sort of a God consciousness uh, get, I guess, guide, the guide to sort of finding this consciousness of immortality where you'd be able to sort of rise to the level and, sort of speak with the gods or, you know, the divine mind and so on. And then it was a sort of a key to immortality in essence that you would find uh, eternal life if you understood this book of Toth. And, and then there's some connections to the tarot. It's some, some of those symbolic uh, representations in the tarot are supposedly uh, possibly go back to this ancient book of Toth. I mean, Crowley, Crowley certainly thought so. His, he wrote a book called the book of Toth and his, his, his most famous deck, is based on on this idea so some kind of fascinating uh connections there uh, whether or well, not even it's historical something, even something modern like the secret and this law of attraction yeah which is drawn from more from the emerald tablet which really deserves its own uh its own episode and i certainly yeah, hope we, we, we get to that that, that sure. as above so below like attracts like and and whatnot yeah exactly I would like, I definitely like to do that. And I think our listeners would, would really, really dig a show like that. And it'd be nice to do an, an episode on the, on the divine perimeter as well. And well, this one really, the, the this chapter, yes, yeah. oh, definitely the Kabbalion. That's uh, getting republished now. It's uh, really gaining a lot of popularity. But this, uh, this particular chapter really tends to focus on what's known as the, the vision of Hermes. That is yeah. how, it, this is Hermes in his human earth form uh, that received a divine revelation from this luminous dragon. Flying oh, I hear that. I hear him. the dog. I hear the dog. The dog uh, and in that, <laughs> yes, actually the facing image, the beautiful color plates and the secret teachings, the facing yeah. one for this chapter is one of Hermes. And in one hand, he has the emerald tablet and in another hand, he's holding up the caduceus that we yeah. easily recognize from any doctor's office. The medical, uh, again, that yeah, medicine. medical symbol. Yeah. And he's stepping on this dragon, this typhon. It looks like a you know, half between a dragon and an alligator or something. And it's. He's know, a dragon, an alligator, and a hog. I, think, a hog. That's, yes. yeah, I think that's his mix. That's it's, it's a terrible combination. But he's <laughs> stepping on it. And it's, it's like the, you know, the stuff of the earth uh, that we can get so consumed by that yeah. draws us in. We're part of it because it drags we us Earth. down, though. That's the portion that drags us down. Not, Absolutely. Not our, it needs to be conquered. So he's stepping on, on top of this thing. But also, yes, there is a dog uh, image. And, you know, I thought that was interesting. But yeah. reading the caption, uh, it's talking about the symbol being of wisdom, because dogs are pretty smart, sure. uh, and loyalty. Loyalty. 
So a dog being loyal to a human master uh, relating to kind of the loyalty and dependence yeah. um, that we um, might feel towards the divine presence. That's, that's a great point. In, in Jungian uh, dream interpretation, a dog is often, I mean, of course, it's going to come down to an, an individual's own interpretations, but an arch, sort of an archetypal idea for a dog in a dream is uh, one's in, uh, positive instinctual nature. Uh, uh, like Toto. Toto was always yeah, the Wizard Toto, of Oz. Exactly. Exactly. It seemed like it did the wrong thing. The humans really got upset whenever Toto did something. But each time he but it did, always had a point. it was it always, always to him, move yep. the story and, and yep. the humans to where they needed Forward. to go. Yep. Relying on instinct. Yes. Exactly. Point. Um, so, so great, great, uh, great point there. Yeah, that vision section really, really does need to be read. It's such a cool thing because Manley Hall is, is such a beautiful writer. And what he does is he takes um, some of those fragments and essentially, the divine uh, Piminder is written in sort of a dialogue form, not sort of, it is a dialogue form. So he takes that and he takes these different fragments that he has access to and he writes this in a narrative, in a narrative that's easier to read, uh, that actually is really beautifully written and very symbolic and, and quite deep. And it was, it's interesting because there's that portion of it uh, that you'll read uh, if you uh, if you check out the book, but there's the portion we talked about this a little bit uh, in a couple of podcasts ago when you spoke about astrotheology. Which one was that in, by the way? When did you speak of that? That was in uh, the uh, was it the meditation disciplines? No, did a two no, it was there. like two two episodes ago. We were talking about astrotheology. Anyway, I'll I'll uh, I'll take a look mm. and. Well, it's no, worth repeating because it comes up. It a is. Lot. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll put it in the uh, I'll put it in the I'll look it up and I'll put it in the Great. comments. So if the listener wants to reference that, check check the comments uh, section, the description section of the podcast, and it'll you know, I'll put it in there. Um, at any rate, he talks about how uh, when you're sort of ascending after the body, after you're, you're dropping off the body after death, you're you know first of all, it's it's an involution or an evolutionary process. The involution is when we come down into the body and we come through these seven spheres. The evolution is when we when we die either physically or um, we die sort of to the the physical nature of ourselves and we we rise up through these seven spheres and of course one is reminded of the seven chakras and the and then the and then the release or the mukti uh, from 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 this 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 plane of existence so you know that would be sort of a death while still in the body or a death of the body and then us you know ascending spiritually. But that reminded me of that astrotheology that you talked about. Can you can you kind of recap that really really quickly? How how that how that occurs through the different through the planets and what's kind of dropping off as as you go? Do you remember that that portion? Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, well, it's it approaches what's called the hard problem in science, and that is how does mind interact with matter or spirit with body? And for from an astrotheological point of view, this the spirit has to come through the seven rings of the orbits of the uh, Ptolemaic system of you know, Earth being in the center, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so through Saturn, Jupiter, Mars, the Sun, uh, Venus, Mercury, the Moon, uh, to get to this plane. So in each one is, is adding a layer uh, of attribution that spirit would not have. But in earthly life, we either need or we need to have to be able to transcend. And then at death, it's a reverse order. So in this context, he's talking about the uh, reverse order. Uh, so to return after 
you know, the lower nature has been conquered and then you return back to uh, the spiritual source from which it came, that the body, that a separation, the body returns to the earth, earthy, mm-hmm. and the elements and all the things that compose the carbon and, and everything that compose the body stays on the earth, but our essence, you know, our soul, our spirit, uh, goes back up through um, these orbits of the planets, the first, you know, nearest one being the moon, because mm-hmm. uh, the moon changes in phase, increases and diminishes, and that's something we need on Earth. Mercury, the next one, all the machinations of deceit and craftiness, he says. And Venus, lusts and passions. These are kind of the negative. These are dropping away. Of these are dropping yes. away from the soul as you're ascending. And they, these that had been put on, think of it as like a coat of seven yeah. layers or something. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Uh, and so then at, at release, these get released, you know, Mars, um, you know, well, the sun. Wait, you're at Venus, Venus, then yes. the sun, yeah. And the fourth one is the sun, uh, so ambitions, um, and uh, Mars, uh, boldness and warlikeness, mm-hmm, rashness. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Jupiter, the next one, um, largeness, accumulation of riches. Uh, and then Saturn, which is the, the gate of chaos that, um, you know, falsehood and evil plotting. It's unfortunate that we have to put on all these attributes to to live on the earth plane. And I guess it's fortunate that we have to uh, or that we can anyway, we um, release them yeah. as we move off. But symbolically, uh, the symbolic death that we face while the body is still alive and we're still integrated uh, is that we do shed these things even while we're still here. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I was talking about, like being in the body and, and ascending sort of spiritually or, you know, leaving the body and ascending, you know, you know the, the body itself, leaving the body. You know, the one is the sort of symbolic death or the philosophic death and one is yes. like the actual death, which we've talked about many times. Um, it's it, the metaphor it's, is the same. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. And so this is the lesson, the allegory is that we have to shed ourselves of those attachments to those things. It's very, um, very Buddhist in that sense. Absolutely. Um, and it's interesting. What, uh, you should say Buddhist, by the way, because I do think uh, a lot of these teachings do seem to have ancient Indian or Indic traditions mixed mixed into them. Um, and Buddhism, of course, coming out of India before it became popular in, in China and so on, when it moved when it moved out into into the into Asia and Southeast Asia, it was obviously its original home was India. Um, another, I don't want to jump to something, but that reminded me of something I, we talked about earlier. Is that there's a, a really interesting section of this that um, that kind of gets gets into mind where he's talking about mind and and you know one of the uh, one of the modern sort of exponents of, of these ideas in, in a different way in a more in, Indian Ved, in the Vedic tradition, the Vedanta tradition from the Upanishads and, and Bhagavad Gita uh, is, is the Vedanta tradition. There's a modern uh, uh, sort of version of the Vedanta. It's called the Vedanta Temple, and it's in the United States and all over of the U.S., and it was uh, originated by Vivekananda here in the United States. At least one branch of it was. Um, but one of the teachers back in, in India is called Sri Ramana Maharishi, and I've been reading his work lately. Anyway, uh, it, it, I'm just going to say this real quickly. I, there's a section in here. It's on page 102, and uh, it's pointed out that in the, uh, in, the, um, in the section, the vision of uh, 
of the divine feminine. He's saying uh, Hermes next inquired about the road by which the wise attain to life eternal. And Pimander continued, let the man endued with a mind mark, consider, and learn of himself, and with the power of his mind divide himself from his not-self and become a servant of reality, become a servant of reality. So essentially you're, you're freeing yourself from the idea that you are not the absolute, you are not this divine mind that he calls the not-self, and then you, by doing so you become self, self-realized you see the reality or the absolute. And then I found this section uh, from Ramana Maharishi and this, he's a early 20th century, uh, mid 20th century uh, philosopher of Vedanta. And he says, there is no moment when the self is not Uh, so long as there is doubt or the feeling of non-realization, the attempt should be made to rid oneself of these thoughts. When the not self disappears, the self alone remains the self alone remains. So these ideas, this idea of this perennial philosophy or this golden chain is still alive today in, in, in many, many, many religious ideas. And you can see it right there. That's uh, a modern, modern saying of an ancient uh, Vedic or uh, ancient uh, Indian truth there. So quite interesting. What well, underscores the idea that what, what we tr- truly are, our true divine nature, our immortal infinite self, um, is already there. It doesn't need to be cultivated. It's already there. Or yeah. uh, it's either asleep in matter because we're so involved in the world and earthly things, uh, or it's covered up. Uh, but it's not not there. <laughs> it's um, yeah. you know. So it's either you know just lost in the shuffle with with daily life, um, or we become so enamored and so ad- attached by. Uh, things of the world that uh, and this this notion of being asleep buddha was asked yeah you know are you enlightened and he goes no i'm awake yeah um, yeah and there's so, uh there's actually uh there's in this in this in this hermetic work there's there's a point where he be, where he speaks about that remember we were talking about that where he's hermes is is besought to teach the way of life and so he's not, uh, it is a sort of, he's try, trying to teach people how to, how to wake up in essence. Oh, here's what, here it is. I just found it. 104 on page 104. He says, Oh, people of earth men, men born and made of the elements, but with the spirit of the divine mind within you rise from your sleep of ignorance, mm-hmm. be sober and thoughtful, realize that your home is not the earth, but in the light. I mean, that's, that's the stuff. That's Jesus. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is within. I and the father are one. I mean, that's how oh, it very much is. In fact, the, you could see the Christian uh, story, uh, the Jesus uh, as as being a intermediary between God and being a teacher. Uh, and even some of the direct principles uh, very much uh, relate uh, very now just to the, uh, the hermetic tradition. Well, it's interesting because the early hermetic uh, followers uh, accused the Christians of of stealing their ideas and trying to, and trying to shut them out, essentially saying, well, no, these are universal ideas. Christianity is not the only one who has the, these ideas. So you can't tell us that, you know, your way is the only way because we had these contemporary with you or even before. And I think that's one of the interesting things. That's a challenge for, for Orthodox Christianity in some ways, especially in today's multi-religious multicultural, multi-pluralistic, and so on world, 
is that it, it does, Christianity does have all of these elements of this universal truth in it. One of the challenges, though, is that it often will say, well, this is this is the only way. And if you know, and this is a very extreme versions of Christianity, most Christians do not follow these ideas. But, you know, the older certainly the older Catholic Church was this way. It would say, look, this is the one way. This is what you need to believe. This is now how you need to worship or you are going to hell or purgatory. It's that simple. And so I think that rubbed the you know, the, the competing and, and different uh, religious traditions that coexisted with early Christianity the wrong way. And that, you know, set that into motion where that, you know, almost a war between Christianity and quote unquote paganism occurred. Uh, so it's an interesting, it's an interesting history. Um, since we are going to try and, and do the, a little bit shorter show today, let's go ahead and jump into our wrap up. You wanted to go into this, uh, this section, and I'd like you to do that and read some of the highlights because there's some pretty exciting and deep stuff in the highlights from this um, this vision of Hermes with, with these different statements he's making about about God. Well, just to wrap up a little bit about um, the suffering in this dialogue between Hermes and um, the uh, the divine mind, this dragon, this luminous flying being that covered the sky. Um, he talks about how, you know, thus suffering is the result of immortal man's falling in love with his shadow and giving up reality with a capital R to dwell in the darkness of illusion. That's Maya in uh, Hindu tradition um, that um, we are an immortal being, but we're stuck. We're like shipwrecked uh, on this mortal plane and. Um, but that's so Buddhist, you know, that that's the root of suffering, sure. this attachment to that. You know, we get sucked in, uh, sucked into it. And this really, this whole conversation and this revelation, and not only was the doctrine revealed to Hermes, uh, it was also, uh, it also came with a mandate for him to go out and teach and to share this and to uh, awaken the other sleeping souls. Yeah, um, yeah. The ones that were able to receive the message. Not everyone's ready exactly. at any, any given time. Sure. But you still have to put it out there for those that are will get the message. Those that aren't might one day wake up. Sure. And exactly. receive. And then there's a bunch of people that'll just say you're nuts and, and won't listen anyway. But uh, <laughs> and and then of course they're not ready. No. Um, exactly. And it's to the ignorant. He goes on to the ignorant. The body is supreme. And they are incapable of realizing the immortality that is within them. Again, going back to the Father is within me, it's within you. Uh, very, very similar. Um, and uh, there's a paragraph here right towards the end. Um, Page 105, is that the one you're talking about in the reader's Yeah, version? I'm actually not on the reader's edition, oh, okay. so my pagination might be. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah but you have it. But it's, it's towards the end of the section, the life and writings of uh, Toth Hermes Trismegistus in uh, Secret Teachings. So. Uh, and this is, um, I think, some of the concluding statements that the, the Poimander, uh, the, the light of the world, um, gave to him. It says, I ordered you to go forth to become as a guide to those who will wander in darkness, that all men within whom dwells the spirit of my mind, which is the universal mind, may be saved by my mind in you, which shall call forth my mind in them. 
So again, here's wow. Hermes yeah. being used very much as a Jesus type figure or any um, anyone who had a revelatory experience sure. was also sure. told to, to go out. Um, but just to just to back that up again, it's like um, that all men within whom dwells the spirit of my mind. So it's already there. The universal mind is within all men. Yeah. And, but it's my mind in you, Hermes, um, which shall call forth my mind in them. So it's the God in me sees the God in you. Mm -hmm. Heard that before, I'm saying. And um, very, very interesting, but very direct that this, that Hermes was needed. If they can see this light in Hermes, that is the light of the world, they are also seeing the light in them much in the way. So he's sort of a human or, you know, earth plane uh, carrier of this message. Whereas Hermes, you know, uh, had to get it from the sky, just like Moses got it from Mount Sinai and, mm -hmm. and all these places. Yeah. Um, he got, and he goes on to say, establish my mysteries and they shall not fail from the earth for I am the mind of the mysteries until mind fails, which is never, my mysteries cannot fail. And that's the last wow. yeah. quote that he said. Um, and speaking, then, speaking of that, by the way, just a quick side interruption. Uh, Manley Hall points out how, the, uh, how Hermes and the Hermetic tradition is the foundation of all the rituals in, in Masonry and why that's so important for Masons, uh, why it's so important for Masons to study the Hermetic tradition and the wisdom of Hermes because it is the basis of, of Freemasonry. Uh, and all of its rituals, they, they, you know, mythologically uh, go, you know, uh, see their line going back to, to Hermes Trismegistus himself, Toth. Uh, so anyway, that's uh, an interesting, an interesting point. Very good. Great. Um, I'm going to go ahead there and then, and, and wrap us up. I, that was sure. very, very uh, great, great and condensed uh, description and way of, a way of looking at that. Thank you so much for doing that. Um, I want to, uh, give a couple of sources for the listener to uh, to check out. If you're interested, look at the Divine uh, uh, Divine Piminder, which is either spelled P-O-I-M-A-N-D-R-E-S or P-Y-M-A-N-D-E-R, Divine Piminder, Hermes uh, Mercurius Trismegistus. There's a yogi publication one that's very good uh, that you can find on Amazon. It's the blue-covered one. It's edited by... Uh, uh, Paschal Beverly Randolph. That's an excellent one. It's a nice little uh, bound uh, hardcover blue book, which you will see. The Kabbalion, Hermetic Philosophy by Three Initiates uh, is great. Of course, you can find the Emerald tab Tablet all over the internet. Um, some of the, I think some of the more modern stuff, Hauk stuff is, is, is good. H-A-U-K. And this chapter. And then, then and most importantly, Start Fantastic. with this chapter in the Secret Teachings. It's the life and writings of Toth Hermes Trismegistus in the Secret Teachings by Mr. Manley P. Hall. All right, well, we're going to wrap it up today. I hope uh, you guys enjoyed this uh, this show, and I want everyone to have a great week. Thank you again, Chris, for 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 being here uh, each week. I appreciate Thank you greatly, you. my friend. And uh, everyone have a great week, and God bless.